king. And you say, well, I thought it was Father's Day. You'd be talking about Father's Day. <laughs> well, soul winning has to do with Father's Day. Um, I was thinking about what can we do to say to our Heavenly Father, thank you. And I thought, you know what? We need to talk about what's on our Heavenly Father's heart. What is important to our Heavenly Father? As you know what's important to our Heavenly Father? Souls. Winning souls is where his heart is at. And if we want to be truly blessed, we will get where our Father, our Heavenly Father's heart is at. God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the key verse to the whole Bible from Genesis to the end of Revelations. Think about that. That is the key verse. The whole Bible hangs on John 3, 16, that God so loved the world. So he so loved the world that Jesus came and suffered and died. Guess what? We should be concerned about what he's concerned about then, and we should be concerned about it too. This should be one of the topics we are most excited about as a church. Do you hear me? But unfortunately, the church in North America just shrugs and ignores this topic altogether. Our attitude in America right now is, isn't that why we hire pastors and evangelists? <laughs> It goes back to expecting somebody else to do our job. There you go. No, this should, this should, as it once did, get us all excited. When I first came into the Pentecostal church, I'm telling you, everybody I met in the church was excited about telling people about, the, about Jesus and how he saves and about the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I mean, they were all excited about it. They, kept, they found out that you came from another church and you didn't know the, the, that you could be filled with the Holy Ghost. Guess what they did? That's all they talked to you about. Oh, you need to get the baptism. Oh, you'll be so blessed when you get the baptism. And if you aren't saved, oh, you need Jesus in your heart. I came from a church, though, that um, a Lutheran church that believed in winning souls. They were there in Chicago, and they did evangelism explosion. Back in the 80s and 70s, People were excited about telling others about Jesus. Again, today, we just shrug. Eh. That's what the pastor's for. That's why we hired him. That's why we bring in an evangelist. That's why we hire him. Uh, we just, all we have to do is come to church and put some money in the plate. And unfortunately, we're getting to the day and age that that's not even important. I was listening to a good Jew this week. I mean, a really, in fact, before he became a good Jew, he was a good atheist. He was an anarchist. He was a rebel. He was a guy that uh, um, led the opposition to everything we hold dear. David Horowitz. 
And then his best friend got killed by the Black Panthers and he became a conservative and realized he was on the wrong path. But he said something very profound. If the church doesn't wake up and stand up, he says, I am not an evangelical. I have no idea why you people want to get everybody saved. I have no clue about that. But he, but he said this. But, listen, if the church doesn't start standing up for what they believe, there's, they're not going to have an opportunity anymore to tell people that they need to get saved. But the church shrugs. And we don't get excited. Why is that? What's happened? Taking Jason home the other day gave him and I the opportunity <laughs> to open the door to witnessing to one of Jason's new neighbors. We're just coming into the, um, the trailer park driving down the road to get to Jason Street. And all of a sudden, this little tiny little one starts pedaling its bike. And we just slowed down, might have been two years old. S slowed down, and here comes Daddy, running as fast as he can because his big SUV is coming into the park and he doesn't want his child rolled over. Well, I don't want to roll over him either. We came to a stop, and Dad got a hold of him and stopped him, lovingly embraced him. Now, I'll tell you what, he, he didn't look like a very loving guy, did he, Jason? He, he looked like he had just got home from work not long before. He had to go out with the kids to play with them after he got home from work. He was dirty. He, he didn't look like much. He, he, he just looked like he was worn out from the day. And we stopped, and he got his child, and we pulled around the corner. My window came down, and we looked at him and said, looked at that little, little one and said, Boy, do you have a good daddy. You say, well, how did that open up the chance to witness? This man who just moved into the neighborhood went from looking like he was disheveled, like he wasn't worth much, tired, a mess. Most of us probably would even, wouldn't even notice him if we walked through Walmart past him. But I'll tell you what, we looked at him with big smiles on our faces and we said, you got such a good daddy. And all of a sudden, I'll tell you what, this guy who was not very tall looked like he was six, seven, could play for the Lakers, standing tall, the biggest smile on his face. All of a sudden, all the tiredness was gone. He looked refreshed. He went off with his kids, but it opened the door. You see, so, Paul planted, Apollos watered, and someone else reaped. What we were doing was planting a tiny little seed so that later, when because he lives just a couple of doors down from Jason, Jason will have an opportunity because now he has an open door to the man. 
to be able to talk to him about Jesus. That was just one example. And you say, but that's a simple thing. You know what? We've complicated, we've complicated, complicated soul winning to the Lord. We forget that sometimes we have to introduce ourselves before anybody's going to listen to us. We can't, we act like, we got to act like the Jehovah Witnesses. Oh, we're all dressed up. We're from the church of God over here. We want to tell you, you're going to hell. Isn't that what we do to the Jehovah Witnesses? Hi. It might not look like it because we haven't been to the barber yet, but we're from the Mormon church. We're here to tell you, unless your name is written in the cave, you're not going to heaven. And we have researchers who will check to see if your name is written there. But first, let us introduce you to our new book. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I would do that first. Wow. <laughs> Now you know that we would say, unless your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but we don't start out with that. We need to start out with, Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells you so. You see, witnessing can be simple. Now I dropped Jason off and I'm heading home. This is after prayer meeting. Things happen. We prayed for opportunities. Yes, we did. Or Jason prayed for opportunities for me. So... <laughs> He was getting me back because a month before I had prayed this prayer while he wasn't even at prayer meeting. And all of a sudden that whole week, that's all he kept on having is what we call divine appointments. I get to Burger King to bring food home to my starving family. They're so hungry. They're wilting at home. And I am going through the drive-thru. And I get to the window. And guess what? It's I'm not going to mention names. Somebody we all know. And they started talking to me. Which was fine. I had to pay them money anyway. Because that's what I was there for. But it went on and on and on and on. And so I went, because you got ahead and told me your whole life, caught me up on what's going on in your whole life as 25,000 cars are behind me. No, it wasn't like that. But I said, you need to come to church. We haven't seen you for so long. Come on out to church. Oh, but my boyfriend won't let me. Uh, well, just you do it. And eventually he'll come. I said, it's like, I always want to tell these girls, why are you dating somebody who's not saved? Why are you marrying somebody who's not saved? It don't work. Anyway, she says, just a second. Just a second. Let me call him up. Now, all of a sudden, it went from encouraging somebody, trying to get this person to think about where their heart's supposed to be with the Lord. And all of a sudden, she brings boyfriend up. <laughs> You've got to meet this person. This is Pastor Dave. Yay, Pastor Dave. Comes up. And we start talking about and church. I says, 
first I just wanted to get to know him, but she brought up church. She says, we got to come to church. Oh, no, I can't. I've tried church before. I've tried church before. I just fall asleep. And I looked at him and I said, but you've never tried our church before. I didn't get into what church you went to. Oh, no, what are your sleep over there? You know, no, that was not. I said, I just looked at him and said, you never tried our church before. And we would love to have you come. Because there was no time to get into more than that with him. Because he had to get back to flipping burgers. You see... Sometimes we don't know when we'll have a chance to talk to somebody about the Lord, but we need to take the opportunity. We've got to take the, the, the opportunity that's placed before us. We need to take these opportunities to make connections with people. My family was starving at home. I could have looked at her and said, well, that's great. You already gave me my drinks. You took my money. You just handed me my food. I can go zooming away. But no, I just figured they needed to fast a little longer. And I could take this time for this divine appointment. But we need to be talking with each other about these appointments, these times, these divine appointments. We need to start talking to each other about them. You know what was the difference back in the 70s and 80s? We used to talk to each other about these things. Oh, we would come and we would see Stacy. Hey, Stacy, guess what happened? I was over in front of your building the other day and this weird looking person came out and we started talking about the Lord. Do you know that weirdo? Oh, yes, that's my favorite weirdo in my building. <laughs> I love that weird. You see, sometimes we go ahead and we look at people like they're weirdos, and so we ignore them. You know what? We once were weirdos, too, before we had Jesus. Pastor. <sighs> <laughs> Tybee's over there laughing. <laughs> she knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> we need to start talking about it. And you know what? Then Stacy gets bold and she says, Guess what, Pastor? What? I was in front of your house and a weirdo came out of your house. And guess what I did? I laid hands on him because it was like, Oh my word, <laughs> you need to be prayed for. But we need to be, we need to be talking about stuff. And then I remembered, wait a second, she laid hands on me and prayed for me the other day. <laughs> but you know, we need to start talking about those things again. Why, you know, I was sitting, uh, somebody might say to us, I was sitting in WIC meeting, uh, getting ready to go to my WIC meeting, and this, this, this girl came in and she just looked like she was just worn out. Her kids were all tugging on her and 20 kids walking into Wick. Kids are all tugging on her. She just looked worn out. And I just sat there and I talked to her about Jesus, asked her if she, I could pray for her. And she was so glad that somebody took this opportunity to see how she was actually feeling and took the time to listen to her. You know... We need to do those things. We don't know where we're going to be. It might be a client, 
But you know what? We, we should never be afraid to take the opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus. We shouldn't be afraid. And we need to start talking to each other about these times when we talk to people. We shouldn't shy away from them. And we shouldn't be so busy not to listen to each other and tell each other our stories. Jesus said, our text says, Mark 16, 15 says, Jesus said, go into all the world. Hello? That's Breckenridge and Wapiton, North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, the whole world. And preach the gospel to every creature. Young, young guy, young teen was, felt like he was called to preach the gospel. And everybody in the church said, oh, no, no, no. You, Jimmy, there's no way. No, no, no. You, um, not you. Not you. you. You don't look the part. You don't sound the part. Besides, um, you don't come from the right family. Nobody believed in Jimmy to preach the gospel, but he felt the Holy Spirit told him to go and preach the gospel. So, what did Jimmy do? He did not let the church folks get him down. So, pastor was driving down to the church one day during the week, and he was going past a cow pasture. And here's Jimmy out in the middle of the cow pasture by a, tree, a stump of a tree that he was using as a pulpit with his Bible laid open, and he was just preaching up a storm in the middle of the cow pasture. And the pastor looked at him and said, what in the world is Jimmy doing now? And he's just preaching up a storm. Wednesday night came, and pastor took Jimmy aside and said, Jimmy, what in the world were you doing? He says, well, pastor, nobody believes me that I'm called, but God's called me. And the Bible says, and nobody wants to give me an opportunity, but the Bible says that Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so that's what I was doing. I was out there preaching to those cows because nobody else wanted to listen to me, but I was going to be obedient. Pastor changed his attitude about Jimmy, and when it was time for Jimmy to graduate high school, that church paid for him to go to Bible college so he could preach the gospel. That, that church changed their attitude about Jimmy, and Jimmy turned out to be a fine preacher boy. I'm telling you, our young people, our millennials, need somebody to believe in them today. We look at millennials and think they're all snowflakes, and they're not. I'll tell you what, I, the, all the millennials I know are sick of the snowflakes. They look at them like, what is wrong with them? I don't, believe, I don't think like they do. I, I, I want to do something. And, and I'm telling you, we need to get behind our millennial young men and women because they want to do something for the Lord. Can you say amen? Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is our challenge. It's our marching orders from the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus gave this command to all Christians. All Christians. Everyone here has this command. We are all commanded to go and share the good news that Jesus saves. Jesus, Jesus thinks. Now listen, listen. This is how much Jesus thinks you're special. Oh, I'm not very special. Oh, give me a break. Jesus, if you weren't special to Jesus, he would have never gave you this command. But he didn't say it. Yes, he did say it to you. Jesus thinks that you are so special that he can entrust the most important work of the church to you, yes. to all of us. Think about that. That's 
how special you are to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is why it is so important. Jesus tells us in Mark 16, 16, he who believes and is baptized will be what? Saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. What do you mean by condemned, Pastor? It means they're going to go to hell. You see the importance of why you need to go and share the gospel with all creatures? Of telling someone about their need to be saved? There are too many people that we all know heading to hell today. But you can help rescue them. All you have to do is tell them about Jesus. We had a missionary come to the church that I was going to in Tennessee. And he shared a story. He did a visual presentation of a, a, a dream that God had given him. Now you got to understand this is back in the early 80s. So people dream differently than we do now. But he had this dream. And in his dream he is, he is standing by the edge of a huge cliff. And he's facing, he has his back to the cliff. And all these people are coming towards him. And they're just like they don't see the cliff there. It's a bright, sunny day. But they're coming towards him. And they're just walking, walking forward and falling off the edge of the cliff. And he sees this and he starts trying to save people. But he can only save so many people because he's only one person. Because these throngs of people are going over the edge of the cliff. And then in his dream, he looked over and there was a group of people sitting under a grove of trees. And he says it was odd because he doesn't usually think this way but, um, or dream this way, but they were sitting under these, these, this grove of trees making daisy chains. Just making daisy chains, just enjoying the day and, and, uh, and so oblivious to the people going over the cliff. And he said, I ran to them and I said, come on, come help me save these people. And they looked at him like, what people? They couldn't even open their eyes to see. And he said, but if you help me, if you come and help me, we can save more. Come and help me, join with me. Help me to save these people from falling off the edge. Then he went into his presentation about why he needed our help to send him back to Papua New Guinea. Let me tell you, folks, people are going off the edge. And Christians are sitting back in their comfortable seats doing nothing today. We need to get excited again. Jesus said he's coming back for a remnant, and I want us to be part of the remnant. I want us to be ready for the revival that's coming that God is going to send in these last days. I want, to be, I want us to be ready to win souls to the Lord. It is up to us to do it. Let me tell you something. By the year 2050, or might even be 2025, no, 2025, we will no longer, white people will no longer be the majority people in the United States of America. 2050, the Muslims 
will outnumber Christians around the world. Like it or not, some of the writings say that once they outnumber us, they can just conquer us. You know why they're outnumbering us? They're doing a better job at evangelizing. And they've been told every Muslim family has to have at least 10 kids. You do that, you outnumber the population pretty quick because how many kids do Christians have today? Well, you cannot count Jason and me. <laughs> but how many Christians have, how many kids do they have today? Maybe one, maybe two. Curtis and Brooke were brave and had three. Jason and I were braver and had more. <laughs> But let me tell you something. Why are we allowing a group of people who do not have the truth that can set people's lives free to gain the upper hand? Now I know something that the Bible tells me, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. In fact, the gates of hell have been in retreat of the church ever since the day of Pentecost. But for some reason, the Christians in North America have been mostly silent. We, we pay our dues, we, that's how we act, we pay our money so that somebody else can do it. We need to get to back to the position of saying, wait a second, we all better do it before it is too late. They're, the news media is already talking about America going the way of Europe. Let me tell you something, Europe is already lost. Do we want that for us? Now let me tell you something, something can happen in Europe. It's starting to happen in England and in, in pockets of Europe where the church is becoming resurgent. But it's, it's because of evangelical, born again, um, Christians who are on fire for the Lord, mostly Assembly of God and Church of God folks. Here's something that most Christians don't know today. Can I tell you something that most Christians don't know today? Let me tell you something. Let me grab this one so you can hear, hear me better. You know what most Christians don't know today? It is fun. How many of you like having fun? I know you folks, you like having fun. It is fun leading someone in the sinner's prayer and seeing them become born again. It does something to your spirit. It energizes you. You get excited because you see your friend become born again. There's no feeling like it. So today we're going to look at three ways we can tell people about salvation. And I'll go quick. One, witnessing. Two, proclaiming. Three, preaching. And you say, that sounds the same, but it's not. And yes, there's a difference between the three. And so that I make sure it gets into you, let's pray for a second. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I thank you for the message so far. And I, wow, <laughs> time has really moved. But Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that we will let this message sink deep into our hearts and into our minds, Lord, and get us excited once again, or maybe for the first time, about telling people about Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're, for your anointing and that I'm only saying the words you would want me to say, Lord. Lord, use 
the rest of this time together to get us excited about proclaiming and witnessing and preaching the good news that Jesus saves in Jesus' name. Let's look at witnessing. Jesus says, You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, he's talking about you'll be witnesses to me in Wapaton and in Breckenridge, in North Dakota and South Dakota, in, in Minnesota, and to the ends of the earth. That's what he's saying there to us, is he not? If we put it into our own location here. This is just telling people what Jesus has done for you. That's what a witness does. All you have to do is tell them what Jesus has done for you. What has he done for you? Did he save you? Did he change you? Did he make your life better? That's all you're telling them. How he touched you and how the difference he's made in your life. And there's a good example that we find in John chapter 4, 28 through 30. The woman, the woman at the well that Joanne preached so wonderfully about last week, it says, The woman that left her water pot went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. You see, all she did is witnessed what she knew. That's all. And the Bible says the whole town emptied out and came to him. Later on, as Joanne told us last week, they said, we don't, believe, <coughs> we don't believe on him because of you anymore. We believe because we met him. There you, go. you see, witnessing just gets people to go and meet Jesus. Proclaiming. We need to proclaim the simple gospel message that Jesus proclaimed. Matthew 4.17 says, From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's all we have to do is preach that again. Start telling our friends that. Repent. It was such a simple message that John the Baptist had and Jesus had. And look, it changed the world. The church used the same message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You have a message to tell. And, can, and it can be as simple as Jesus saves. Mike Warnke said that um, when he was a, a warlock and he was serving the devil, he says, Campus Crusade for Christ, those kids on the college campuses, their simple message was, and they, kept, they were so obnoxious, he wanted to punch them in the face, but they all ran up to him every day, every hour, every time they saw him and said, God loves you, God loves you. God loves you. And later on, when the devil beat him up and left him for nothing, all of a sudden those words from those kids, and, said, and he said, God, if you're there and if you love me, show me that you're real. And Mike Warnke got saved. You can't help yourself. You have to tell everyone you know about Jesus. But why do we stifle the message? It's because we get too busy on foolish things. Look how simple it is to do. Mark 1.45 says, However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in a deserted place and they came to him from every direction. Now, I know this man got a great healing. 
But look how simple it was. However, he just went out and proclaimed it freely and spread the matter. So much so that Jesus couldn't go inside a city anymore. He had to stay out in the desert places, the deserted places. And then preaching. We have been called to be like Jesus. I think you'll like this one. Luke 4, 18 through 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said, is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Let me tell you something, folks. The mission hasn't changed. We just take Jesus' mission, make it our mission, we're going to grow. Jason and I and Joanne and Corey are working right and Judy are working on simplifying things. We're going to make it so simple for you to understand how to grow in Christ. We're going to, we're, we want to simplify things so it doesn't seem so complicated. You can already see that as I, had, as I redesigned the bulletin so that our, what we are up to page over here are, is simple and clean and easy to follow so it doesn't overwhelm us so that maybe you you too would want to help Curtis and the rest of us with Awana this fall because you say oh I want to get involved in going and reaching and discipling to do what Jesus said to preach the gospel to the poor Heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, recovery of the sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed, and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The same problems persist today in our own community. Lord, give us a fresh anointing, Lord, to reach Wapatin and Breckenridge. Paul tells us. We need to be ready. 2 Timothy 4, 2, Paul is speaking to all of us. He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Isn't that good? We're supposed to be ready in season. That just means that when we've prepared or we're unprepared, we just proclaim. We just preach the good news that Jesus saves. Wow, isn't that good? One of the best sermons I've ever preached in my whole life was when I, it was out of season. I had to work 60 hours that week and uh, up to that point from the following week and it was going to be a long week and I didn't have time to get ready for Wednesday night. I'm driving back from work. Oh my word. And I have to get there. It's an hour trip back home to get and then down to the church and I wasn't have time to go home and eat anything. And I get down to the church and it's time and, and ch church is about to start. We just start singing and praising God. And next thing I get up and have to preach the word and I just prayed all the way, Lord, help me fill my mouth. And I ended up preaching the best sermon I ever preached about the little widow and her mite. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I wish I had it all written out. It was one of the best sermons I ever gave. And uh, it was right, oh, it was wonderful. We just have to be ready because the Holy Spirit will fill our mouths. So we'll end as we begin today with Jesus' words where he tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
Together we can win the world to Jesus Christ. Share Jesus with people. Share your testimony with someone. Challenge them to accept Jesus as their Savior. And let me tell you something. You can do it. You have what it takes. Besides, you have Jesus and the Holy Spirit on your side to help you and to give you the right words to say. And if you need help, guess what? Jason and I would be happy to go with you. We would. Because we're, getting, we're having fun with divine appointments. We're, we, we laugh about them now. We look forward to them. What God is doing. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this message today, Lord, because it deals with your heart, what's important to you. And Heavenly 